I posed a question to the residents at uh, Mobile Nursing and Rehab this afternoon that Memorial Day used to be known by another uh, name. I asked who among you knows that, and one gentleman, Mr. Weeder, uh, the husband of one of the residents there, Miss Jewell, said Decoration Day, and I said that's exactly right, and his additional comment was, well, you have to be my age to know that, to know that. But yes, it used to be called uh, Decoration Day. And I've been thinking about Memorial Day and what it stands for. And as you know, it was a holiday set aside to remember those who, who have given their lives in service uh, to our country. And I noticed this graphic that I found uh, quoted John 15, 13. Greater love is no man than this than to lay down his life for, for his friends. But this has to do, this holiday, among others, has to do with remembering, remembering. So Tucker and I have been talking about some ideas for, uh, to talk about on Sunday night. So this is a standalone. This, is, this just has to do with what this holiday made me think about, remembering. I did a search uh, on a, some Bible software. How many times the word remember is used in the scriptures? And in the New King James Version, the word remember is used 230 times. 230 times. And of course, there would be various uses of that, of that term spoken by different ones, but many of them would be God instructing his people to remember. And that 230 times doesn't include uh, other phrases such as do not forget or remind if you add all those, it would be incredible as to the number of times we're instructed in Scripture or God's people has been instructed from Genesis to Revelation to remember. Well, I want to look at uh, two books of the Bible with you, uh, First and Second Peter. And I can't remember if the word remember is used, but there are several references where Peter, writing to Christians, encourages them to remember perhaps using other words. In fact, look with me. This is in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. Notice what, what he writes. I'll be reading from the ESV, English Standard Version, this evening. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. We'll come back to those qualities in a moment. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. And I highlighted the words that are associated with this idea of remembering. What you can see as the Apostle Peter writes to these Christians, he's he has reminded them of some truths that, that they had known and were established in. And even after he's gone, he's wanting them to be continually reminded of these, of these truths. So I did a search in the books of First and Second Peter of some of the things of which Peter was encouraging them to remember. Things that you and I need to remember as well. So notice with me, number one, Peter instructs Christians to 
never forget, remember to never forget is my title, remember to never forget the price that was paid for our salvation. Notice with me 1 Peter 1 verses 18 through 20. Peter writes to Christians saying, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world that was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. I noticed the English Standard Version used the word ransomed. My, uh, King, New King James uses the word redeemed. You were you were ransomed, you were redeemed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers by the precious blood of Jesus. You'll recognize the word ransom means to, to pay a price for a release. And the, the context, the historical context, there were many slaves in the first century. But there would be those who would, would pay the price for a slave to be set free. And so Peter's using that very imagery to talk about how we were slaves to sin. But Jesus paid that price so that we could be set free from sin. Set free to follow after Jesus. And that price was the precious blood of Jesus. And so he's reminding them, never forget. Remember to never forget the price that was paid for your salvation. Over in 2 Peter, in the first chapter, he talks about how Christians are to continue to grow in Christ. In verse 5 of 2 Peter 1, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with, sober, with brotherly affection, and brotherly, brotherly affection with love. So he's encouraging Christians, including you and me, to continue to grow, to add to our faith these what are called Christian virtues. And he says in verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you feel that you're not being effective, if you feel that you're not being fruitful in the service to the Lord, Peter says we need to keep growing. We need to keep growing. And if you keep growing, keep adding these things to your faith, then you're, you won't be unfruitful. You won't be ineffective. But notice what he says in verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities that he's mentioned in verses 5 through 7, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, and notice this, having forgotten he was cleansed from his former sins. So imagine, we're doing some self-evaluation in our lives as Christians. Maybe we don't feel effective. We don't feel like we're, we're fruitful. We, don't, we aren't growing as we should. Peter says, we may not be growing as we should because we've forgotten something. We've forgotten that we've been cleansed from our former sins. How? By the blood of Jesus. So never remember to never forget the, the price that was paid for your salvation. 
Because to forget that means we become stagnant. We don't grow as we should as Christians. I read about a renowned preacher from the past. His name was Gypsy Smith. He was an old man and he was still fervent in serving the Lord. Even as an older man, he was still on fire and, and preaching every opportunity that he had. And someone asked him how he was still so enthusiastic about his work of sharing the message of Jesus. And he thought for a moment, and with a tear trickling down his face, he said this, If there is anything of effectiveness in my life and ministry, it's because I've never lost the wonder of it all. If I am still effective, if my ministry has any effectiveness, it's because I've never lost the wonder of it all. Folks, if we've if we've lost the wonder of it all, the wonder of the amazing love of God, how that he would give his son and the things that Jesus endured for the cross, all for us, if we've lost the wonder. I like what one person said. We need to get down on our knees and pray until that wonder is created in our hearts again. Because Peter's saying, here's something we should never, ever forget. Here's something we need to be reminded of frequently. The price that was paid for our salvation. Number two, remember to never forget the people God has used to bless our lives. In the latter parts of a lot of the epistles, the writers like Paul and even Peter here will, will mention some names in, close, in closing. So-and-so gives you greetings and, and the like. We find that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Peter does that very thing. And notice whom he mentions. By Silvanus, which the shortened version would be Silas. By Silas, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you. He was involved in helping Peter write this message. Exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, and he's referring to the church at Babylon, which I understand to be a reference to, to Rome. The church in Rome, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. And that is likely a reference to the one we know as John Mark, who also accompanied the Apostle Paul um, and, and Barnabas on missionary journeys. But the, the point is this, Peter in writing this, this letter to these Christians who are scattered, he, remind, he sends greetings and messages from, from those who have been around him and have been helping him. Peter never forgot the people who were special to them. And he always tried to give credit where credit was due. What a wonderful Thing for us to never forget the people through which God has blessed our lives that would include our families I have been blessed tremendously by my family presently and even in the past for example my grandfather whom I did not know H.A. Dixon has influenced my life in a profound way I have a rich heritage for which is a is the bar set so high that I'll never attain it, but I'll always seek to, to live up to it. 
But I've been blessed. You've been blessed by your family, past and present. Think about family members in your life that help you, that maybe helped bring you to Jesus or helped you follow more closely in the steps of Jesus. We'll think of many Christians in God's family of which we become a part when we became Christians that have, that, that have and even do profoundly impact our lives. You have profoundly impacted my life and the lives of my family members, the Creekwood family. And I can think of many other Christians through the years that I thank God for because of their influence in my life and in the life of my family. The Apostle Paul would express it like this to Christians at Philippi, a congregation that had helped him more than once in a, in a monetarily uh, material way and as he was going about through his missionary journeys. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Every time I remember you, I thank God for you. Aren't there people that every time you think about them, you thank God for them and for their impact in your life? Hebrews 12 and verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings to so, so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Contextually, that cloud of witnesses is found in Hebrews chapter 11, Faith's Hall of Fame. Um, Abel, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, all the heroes of the faith. And the, the Hebrew writer pictures them as we're running a race, maybe on a track, and in the grandstands there are these heroes of the faith that are encouraging us by, by their example. Back in 2014, I preached a lesson from this pulpit entitled, Some Faces in the Crowd. And I went back, and yes, I keep my lessons. It used to be paper, but I realized that's too much paper to keep up with. So now I save them on my computer. Unfortunately, I lost some of them on a jump drive. I've learned my lesson more than once, and it took me several times to learn that lesson. But I went back and I visited, I reread that sermon that I preached in 2014 entitled Some Faces in the Crowd. And I knew that it would mean something to the Creekwood family in particular. Because what I did is I talked about 12 members, 12 members of the congregation at Creekwood who had passed, passed away. But as Abel, being dead, still speak. And some of you will, would not recognize the people um, that I discussed. Some of you not only will recognize them, but you loved them and were impacted by them as well. Claude Falkenberry. Some of you know, knew and loved him. Nellie Butts, who taught four-year-olds for years upon years. Richard Lincoln, I quoted him recently. Mildred Nelson. Joanne Moore. Even as I call their names, I think about the lessons 
that I'll never forget. So I thank God for people in my church family that have impacted me presently and in the past. I encourage you to remember to never forget people who have had a profound impact in your life. And if they're living, thank God for them and let them know personally how much you appreciate them. Number three, remember to never forget the promises that God has given to sustain us. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we find these words. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called, who called us to His own glory and excellence, by whom He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them, these precious and very great promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the, from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Peter seems to be saying, remember to never forget these precious and very great promises. Think about the promises of God that are especially meaningful to you. Promises from his word that you have clung to, especially during the difficult days. Let me remind you of just a few of those precious promises. How about Hebrews 13 and verse 5? Where the Lord says, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many times have you thought about that fact that as a child of God, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the circumstance, the Lord is with you. And how much comfort have you gleaned from that? What about this promise expressed as an assurance? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 a reminder to us that, that God will empower us. He will help us to do whatever he has called us to do. And sometimes just reminding ourselves uh, of that promise gives us that strength to do what needs to be done. Philippians 4.19 is another. My God, Paul says, will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And yes, as I've often been reminded, he says every need, not every greed. But how many times have you thought, I don't know how we're going to make it, and God has seen you through? He's provided because he's promised to do so. I think about the promise of his prevailing love. I, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. That's his promise. I think about his prize. Jesus said to his disciples who were troubled because they, he, they, he told them that he was about to depart. And they're troubled by that message. And he says to them, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. How did he comfort the troubled hearts of the disciples 
He promised them, I'm coming back and I'm going to take you where I am. That's a promise that by extension applies to you and to me, to all of God's people. Remember to never forget His precious and very great promises. We sing it like this. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. This is verse 2 of that song. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. How? Standing on the promises of God. Number four, remember to never forget, this is related to this last point, the provision he has made for us in heaven. 1 Peter 1 verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Notice how our inheritance is described. Imperishable. That which will not perish. It's Lasting, it's eternal, it's undefiled, it is, it is completely pure, it's, it's pristine, it is unfading, All, it doesn't grow old, it doesn't fade away, and it is kept or reserved in heaven for you. It's waiting, it's awaiting the faithful child of God. Peter's saying, remember to never forget no matter, and he's writing to Christians who are suffering, by the way, who are suffering persecution because they're following after Jesus. And to encourage them, he's saying, remember, you're not home yet. Remember what's awaiting you in, in heaven. And I want to go to heaven just like you, not only because of who will be there, but because of what will not be there. Revelation 21.4 he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. If you look at that list, it's some of the very things that, that trouble our hearts today, that make our lives miserable at times. But these things will not be allowed in heaven. And Peter is saying, never forget that. Remember to never forget the provision that he's made for us in heaven. C.S. Lewis, as you know, was an atheist at one point and, and became a believer and became a prolific writer about uh, Christian apologetics, defending the faith. He, he made this statement in one of his writings. The Christians, as he reflected on Christian history, the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians, it is since Christians have begun thinking less of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. I've heard it said some Christian some Christians are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. But C.S. Lewis is saying no. The Christians who have made the difference, the greatest impact are those who have been so heavenly minded that they were of utmost earthly good. We fix our minds, we set our sights on heaven, and, and we're, we're looking forward to being there. And as we're following in the steps of Jesus to heaven, 
we're encouraging, we're so living so to attract others to, to, follow, to join us in following Jesus all the way to heaven. And what a great place indeed heaven must be. I think about being reunited with, with Christian loved ones and friends who've gone on before. And it's an, really an indescribable place. But at the end of the day, or at the beginning of eternity, I suppose the one that we'll be most anxious to see is the one who shed his blood for you and me. One songwriter put it like this, It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. I think that's Peter's encouragement. Remember to never forget the provision that God has made for us in heaven. And finally, remember to never forget the purpose for which we live today. We're not in heaven yet. We're on our way, but what are we to do right now? Listen to what Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you, speaking of Christians, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Those descriptive terms that he uses to describe Christians under the new covenant were some of the same terms used to describe the people of God under the old covenant. This chosen race, this idea of a priesthood, Levitical priesthood, a holy nation. But now he's using them to describe Christians. But he also reminds us of our purpose. What is that? that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What are we to do on our way to heaven? Continue to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Paul Powell said this, We were not saved to sit and soak and sour until the second coming. We were saved to continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus. To continue to follow Jesus as the light of the world and, and to encourage others, to point others to that light that will lead them to heaven. Through our good works, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Yes, by doing good to others, we're trying to point them to Jesus, to point them to the Father. But not just through our good works, but through our good words proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Psalm 9 verse 1 says this, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount or I will proclaim all of your wonderful deeds. I read about a, a man, a believer by the name of R.C. Chapman. He was known as a devout follower of Jesus and he was asked by someone how he was feeling and his here was his response I'm burdened I'm burdened this morning 
But he was smiling as he said it. So the questioner exclaimed in surprise, Are you really burdened, Mr. Chapman? Yes, but it's a wonderful burden, he said. It's an overabundance of blessings for which I cannot find enough time or words to express my gratitude. Now that's a burden, isn't it? That's a joyful burden. R.C. Chapman seemed to be saying, I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will continue to proclaim the excellencies of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I think you'll agree with me that these things that Peter says we should never forget are those things that are vitally important. So on this Memorial Day weekend, let's remember. Let's remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. Well, let's also remember never to forget the price that was paid for our salvation, the precious, precious blood of Jesus, the people that have blessed our lives and continue to bless our lives, the promises of God, those precious promises that sustain us when, when times get difficult. Remember to never forget that we're not home yet, that God has made a provision there's a place reserved in heaven for the faithful child of God. And remember our purpose. Let's continue to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us from darkness into his marvelous light. Remember to never forget. If you're subject to the invitation of Jesus, if you'd like to know firsthand the meaning of what that price is that was paid for our salvation. The gospel invitation is extended to you if you've never obeyed the gospel, if you've never contacted the blood of Jesus as a penitent believer in the waters of baptism, we are ready to assist you tonight. If we've forgotten these things, may we remember them. And may our memories help us to get back on track. If you need the prayers of the church tonight, if there's some burden that's weighing on you that you'd like for us to pray with you and for you, we'd love to. And won't you come right now as we stand and sing.